I invite you, if you would, to open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 2, and I want to take just a moment this morning to remind us of what it is that we're celebrating on Easter Sunday. Uh, many times we get in our minds when these holidays come around that it's it's about family. And uh, family, I do believe, with all my heart, is important. Uh, I believe that the relationship between uh, husbands, wives, fathers, daughters, sons, and mothers, and, and, and grandparents, and aunts, and uncles, I believe that those relationships are important. But this day, this uh, what we refer to as Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. It's it's a day that we celebrate Christ's victory over the grave. We celebrate his defeating death. He uh, he defeated death for us. If you remember back in the book of Genesis, God said in the day that you eat thereof thou shalt surely die. In the Bible In the book of Romans, Paul says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Because of that, we were eternally dead. It is an eternal separation from the beauty, the majesty, the glory of God. And the only thing that can defeat eternal death like that is eternal life. And what Christ did was he came to offer to us that eternal life. And Jesus said in uh, John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so many times uh, we, we get into our minds that Christ came to give me life. And, and I know what the wording is there is that Christ did come to give us life, to bring to us life. But But when we understand what that life is, Jesus, he is the life. When we understand that, then we realize that what Jesus came to give to us was himself. And so he laid himself down. He uh, allowed himself to be crucified. He allowed himself to die and experience this death for you and for me. And then he rose from the dead, proving that death cannot hold him. Death cannot have victory. Jesus has won. He said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. It's a a beautiful thing to remember. And so as we come to this text in the book of Philippians, I find it very timely If you'll look in chapter number 2, we're going to read the first four verses of Scripture for now, and then we'll make our prayer, and then we'll get into this morning's uh, message. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels... And mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, 
having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would help us, help us to become more like you today. Help us to remember how wonderful you are. And, Father, to have a desire, an honest, spirit-felt desire to mimic that. Father, give to us humility where we need it because we are so needful of emptying of us of ourselves and being filled with the Spirit. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would humble us today, that you would make us more into the image of your dear Son. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. So as we enter chapter 2 here, we are presented with the mind of the believer. Uh, The key verse we're going to find in verse number 5, if you'll look there with me, the key verse to to chapter 2 is verse 5, says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you remember, as we uh, opened up our study in the book of Philippians, I uh, examined uh, the chapters in specific, uh, each individual chapter. The first chapter was that of the life of the believer, and uh, we see the life of the believer be, uh, having the key verse of verse 21, for me to live is Christ. Then we have the mind of the believer here in chapter number 2, with verse 5 being the key verse there, which is, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. When we get to chapter 3, it'll be the desire of the believer, with verse number 10 as the key verse, and then chapter 4, the reliance of the believer with verse 13 as the key verse there. Uh, we looked at several of the different things as far as the, the introduction that Paul brings. Um, he encouraged them as far as his joy being full because of uh, their walk and because of their spiritual maturity. Uh, he asks them to rejoice uh, even in his specific situation. He is in prison, unable to be with them. His desire was to be with them. Uh, but he's, he reminds them uh, to still find joy even though he is not with them or even in bad circumstances. And I believe that uh, you know it's a very timely message for today uh, because people are uh, quickly able to look around and see that there's a lot of bad things going on right now uh, uh, from uh, many deaths taking place, many people being uh, sick, uh, people are, are scared to go out. Um, we've also got uh, people who are losing their jobs. Uh, the economy is starting to go down and things of that nature. And, and, and Paul reminds us, hey, remember we have him. Remember who we serve. Remember the Lord, the, uh, the God that we, uh, uh, that we claim, and, and let him be magnified no matter what's going on. And, and, and if this is the end for us, praise the Lord. If it's not the end for us, praise the Lord. Both ways. I can find joy, and he talked about that at the end of chapter number one as he started to look at him uh, uh, himself and the, uh, the situation that he finds himself in. He says, I find myself between a rock and a hard place. I, I want to go ahead and go to be with him, but I also want to stay because it's needful for you. And so as we come to this, uh, this uh, conclusion of chapter one and as we enter into chapter number two, 
Paul referred to suffering for his sake and having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. And then he says, if there be therefore. And so the therefore, we always want to look to see why it's, what it's there for, right? And so as we enter this, we're presented with the mind of the believer. And Paul uh, notices uh, and makes a, a specific call for his desire that they be unified in the church. They be unified in the church. Now, some may say, oh, Pastor Andy, shouldn't you be preaching from one of the Gospels? It's, it's Easter Sunday. Uh, yes, it is Easter Sunday, and I believe that this is a very wonderful opportunity to go into some of this here. Uh, he says that, that his uh, desire is for the unity of the church. Notice in verse number 2 what he says. Fulfill ye my joy. In other words, you, you want to see me at, at my happiest, my most joyful. Uh, you need to fulfill my joy in this way, and that is that you would be, notice what it says, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. His desire is due to his love for them. His love for them, his joy is not wrapped up in their numbers. His joy is not wrapped up in how many different programs that they have going on. His joy is not wrapped up in how many uh, uh, things that they're involved in. Listen, we as churches, we can very easily get sidetracked with all the great and wonderful things that we can do for the cause of Christ. We get sidetracked so easily with all the different ministries and the different programs that take place, and we can so easily become uh, focused on those things but Paul said hey do you want to know where my where the most joy that you're going to see in me is is that you be like-minded having the same spirit unified this is what Paul's talking about here and, and you know we can think well we've got a we've got an addictions ministry we've got a children's ministry we've got a youth ministry we've got a bus ministry we've got a oh stop stop are we unified are we unified? Now, we can, we can take a look at this unification from, uh, uh, from many different perspectives and be, being one with one another. Uh, his joy is found in their unity with one another, but better yet, maybe it would be better said this way. My joy is fulfilled in your spiritual maturity. Well, where do you get unity and spiritual maturity? Well, I'm glad you asked. The spiritual health and maturity is quickly seen and how fast we're willing to give up what we think and unify for the good of the whole. Think, think about it from this perspective. You remember when you were kids, and uh, uh, maybe you were playing with your brother or sister, and, and it's easy for adults to see this in other kids, but we, we forget very quickly that we weren't perfect when we were young. Uh, we say, oh, I, I watch kids play, and this is what I see. Oh, come on, you were a kid once. And, and, and you remember what it was like. You're, you're maybe playing, and you're, uh, you're playing a, a game, and, and you're tired of playing tag. You want to play hide-and-seek, but your friends all want to play tag, and you're just, uh, I don't want to play this game. This game's dumb. I want to play hide-and-seek instead. And your friends are like, well, that game, and what do we do? We fight for our way, right? 
And then maybe we, well, I'm taking, you know, I, I, I'm taking my bat, my ball, and I'm going home. If that's the way you're going, right? And how many times does that happen in the house of God? Preacher, y'all don't sing the songs I like. Uh, so I'm taking my bat and ball, and I'm going home. Preacher, you don't have a ministry for this group of people over here, so I'm taking my bat and my ball, and I'm going home. <laughs> oh, come on, Pastor, you're being a little hard. No. Paul says, my joy is fulfilled in your unity. In other words, when you are showing yourselves as spiritually mature. <laughs> well, Pastor, you, see, you all sing a lot of old songs. Well, Pastor, I don't know some of these new songs. Are they about Jesus? Let's unite. <laughs> So, so what if we're singing a song from the 1400s or the, or the 1200s or we're singing a song from 1990? Yes, I said 1990. Does it, is it really the end of the world? Let's unify because we're singing about Jesus. Jesus. That's what matters. Now think about it from this perspective as well. Not only in his deepest joy... Uh, being in their unity but i want you to notice that his deepest joy was in others not himself (laughs) it's not fulfill you my joy that you keep you know sending cards to me and you make sure that you nobody's called me this week and and my deepest joy is in you I am blessed beyond measure. I have people uh, letting me know regularly, Pastor, I'm praying for you, uh, love you, want to know. And, and you know, <laughs> that just, it, it is such an encouragement when people, just a simple text message praying for you today, Pastor. Wow. <laughs> That's joy. Not because of anything special about me, but it, they are thinking about me. I'm thinking about you. It's not about me thinking about me. It's about us thinking about others. But I want you to notice in in this, I want you to see the motivation of the unity. Go back to verse number one with me. Go to verse number one. He says, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy. Okay, so the if statement there. I want you to notice something about this if. The the if statement of Paul here in verse 1 is not making the case for a mere possibility. Well, you know, there might be, and if there is, that's not what he's saying. It's more of a sense or because of. And so he's saying, if this has actually taken place in your life, grow up. That's what he's saying. It's more of an if-then type of a statement. Since this took place, then this needs to be the result. You see, look at the, look at the, uh, the uh, different things that we find in this verse number one. The continual presence of of Jesus Christ. He says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, or that word for consolation is consoling. We, we say, you know, we don't look at the, uh, think about it from this, th- this way. 
Uh, kids today, they go and they, they, everybody comes home with a participation trophy, right? Everybody got to have their participation trophy. You know, I went and I came in 85th place, but I still got a trophy. And, and so that's the consolation prize. That's what that is. It's, you know, it's okay, buddy. I, I know you came in dead last out of 4,000, but you still get a trophy. Let me console you. That's what that is. The participation award, right? It's a consoling or encouraging. Hey, it's okay. If there be, therefore, any consoling or any encouragement in Christ. What's more encouraging than the thought that Jesus Christ himself is always present with me? The continual presence of Christ should be the greatest encouragement. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And this is something that we we forget quite often. The spiritual life is a life of oneness. Unity aids that growth. Disunity and discord stifles the growth of a child of God. If, If I am one of the branches off of the vine, the true vine, and I am at odds with another branch, one of us is going to start fighting with the other. And it's going to start to suffer as far as its growth is concerned. Unity, being part of the whole, being part of the vine itself, as the vine continues to move, so the branches continue to move. And they start to produce fruit. Disunity stifles that growth. Notice something else here, Christian love. It says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, this mutual love of Christ binds us together where there is no unity, there's a lack of love. Not not to say that we always agree. That's not what that's, that's Unity does not require uniformity. That's where you get uh, the idea of a university. University is a conglomeration of many different colleges that have been brought together and they have united under the same banner. And so you have this college of law, college of medicine, college of business, college of arts... And these different colleges are together, united. They are part of the same university. And so this is the idea here, is unity not requiring uniformity. It doesn't mean that I'm always going to agree. However, on the crucial things, we have unity. If I love Christ and you love Christ, let's put our arms together and work for the cause of Christ. Together, unified. I can love and I can work alongside of anyone else who loves and wants to work for the cause of Christ. Someone who wants to work for their own cause, and if I'm wanting to work for my own cause, we're going to have problems. I'm comforted in this love. 
because I'm comforted in the love with you. I'm comforted with the thought that, you know, I, I love you and you love me. But beyond that, I love Jesus, you love Jesus. So even though we may disagree, at the end of the day, you and I both love Jesus, and so we're going to move on. Now, I want you to notice something else here, the fellowship of the Spirit. This is consolation of Christ, comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit. This fellowshipping within the Holy Spirit Uh, If you were to look at Galatians 5, you would find the fruit uh, of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, meekness. And then you also find uh, that the Holy Spirit gifts us with abilities beyond our natural makeup. Keep your hand here in the book of Philippians. Go back to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we see the way that the Holy Spirit gifts other people. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 4. It says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but is the same God, which worketh all in all. You see that? Differences, 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 but the same God. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In other words, the manifestation of the Spirit, those gifts that the Spirit brings about in us, are not for you. And so if you have a spirit of, um, of hospitality, you have the, spirit, the gift of, uh, of being able to teach or the gift of being able to study, that is not for you and you alone. Those gifts are given to profit others the body as a whole. Verse 8, For to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. And so there may be somebody that has the spirit of knowledge. They know everything about the Bible. They, they, they have it all. They, they can quote the verses. And then there's another person that has the spirit of wisdom being able to apply that knowledge. And when you bring the two of them together, they work wonderfully well. Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of, of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues. And then this, uh, stop for just a minute, that many different kinds of tongues, in other words, languages, uh, to another the interpretation of tongues. Have you ever been in a service? where perhaps the preacher that was there was speaking a different language and he needed an interpreter. Those are gifts. But all these work to one, uh, that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. We will not go into all the different gifts as, as we have at other times. Uh, maybe if you want to go back and look at some of the other things that we've talked about in the, in the past, um, go for that. Uh, but just to say, uh, we all, from the moment of salvation, have the Holy Spirit causing in us gifts to edify the whole body. Uh, if you were to look at Romans 8, if you were to go back to Romans number 8, 
you'd also see another area. Look what else the Holy Spirit does within us. Not only does he gift us with abilities to be able to edify and encourage the body, look what else the Holy Spirit does. Verse 26 of Romans 8, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, when... When you and I are at that, at that place in our life where we just we don't even know what to pray for, have you ever been there? Or you've been struggling and you're just like, I don't even know what to pray. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes on our behalf. I don't know about you, but that to me is probably one of the most beautiful things that the Holy Spirit can do because there are many days in my life where I am just, I, I, I don't know what to say. But I want you to notice something about that before we go any further. I don't want to leave any un, uh, uh, you know, unanswered questions there. You know what it says? It says there in verse 26, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Notice that, please, before we end up with something that is not proper doctrine. It is groanings that cannot be uttered. They cannot be uttered. Okay, so this is not something where the Holy Spirit uh, makes you speak in a, a type of language that is, you know, your own personal, no. I, I don't know what to say. And so the Holy Spirit speaks, and, and I'm not the one uttering anything. So before we mess up there, let's, let's go ahead and get that under control. Notice, go back to uh, our text, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. We looked at the consolation in Christ, the comfort of love, the fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies. This word bowels is um, it, it's in reference to emotions. Uh, it can be translated as affections. And so uh, it, it, it's in reference to the bowels because at that day the seat of the emotions and all affections where we say I love you with my heart, they would have uh, made reference to the bowels because it's this deep-rooted, deep-seated affections. And then the mercies or my sympathies. In other words, a child of God has a tender heart. A tender heart. And Paul says, if there be, therefore, any consolation or encouragement because of Christ, any comfort of the love of God, any fellowship with the Holy Spirit that you have, that I have, where we benefit one another, any sympathies, affections, because of the tenderheartedness of a child of God, then fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Look at verse 3 with me now. It says, now let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Do you realize that for unity to be present, humility must first take hold? Pride 
is the surest stifler of unity. The quickest way for people to be, to be in discord with one another is pride. You can guarantee it. Anytime there's, a, there's, a, there's an argument, there's, a, there's a, a confrontation between two people, especially when you look in the household of faith, anytime that there's a, a conflict, it's because of pride. Well, I'll make up with that guy when he apologizes. Pride. I'll never listen to him again. Pride. Can you believe what he said about me? Pride. If we're children of God and we have that that comfort, (laughs) that encouragement, that fellowship, we need to be humble. Pride leads to what is referred to here. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. This strife is, is this uh, fighting and conflict with one another. This vainglory is uh, self-ambition. My vanity causes me to want to glorify myself. There's your vainglory. Well, I got to have it my way. I got to have it the way I want it. And if this group of people or that group of people or if this person over here or that person over there, psh, not going to catch me with them. Mm-mm. I don't care what they say because it's not what I want. You see, all worldly ambitions are vain. At the end of the day, you really think about it, all worldly ambitions are vain. They're about me. The only ambition that is lasting is bringing glory and honor, being pleasing to God. That's it. Now, I can have an ambition of of being a good father. Why? Why do I want to be a good father? Is it because I want the world to see the type of father I am? Is it because I want my kids to still like me when they're grown? There's some that you know they 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 want to be a, a good parent because they don't you know they want to make sure that when they when the grandkids come along they're the the, the kids are going to be bringing them by and they can play with those grandbabies. Or do I want to be a good father because I want to be a good picture of Jesus Christ and I want to bring him glory. I want to do right by him. I want to honor him. God has given me these children and I'm going to raise them his way. What's the ambition? I want to be a good husband. Why? So she'll bat her eyes at me a few more times? So she'll give me more attention? So she'll let me go to the games with the guys? So she'll give me control of the remote? Or do I want to be a good husband? Because it brings glory to him. Now, 
It's all about following the lead of Christ. Let's start to connect the dots here. I want you to go back to Luke chapter 22. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. And we're going to start uh, drawing some connections here. Because the question then would be asked, why is it so important for us to be unified in this way? We've got to ask that question. I mean, you know, okay, so I'm just doing this to make Paul happy? No. Why is it important to Paul that the Philippians be united? There's a lot of good churches out there doing a lot of good work out there, doing a lot of humanitarian aid, doing a lot of uh, producing music or producing, uh, uh, you know, addictions ministries or this, that, or the other. Uh, they're, they're putting out good material for children. They're putting out good material for uh, spouses. The question is, are they united in their efforts for Christ? And so we want to know, why is that important? Why is unity more important to Paul than that they're growing in numbers? Well, let's take a look here. Luke chapter number 22. Look at verse... uh, 39. And he came out, talking about Jesus, and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And he, when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray ye that ye enter not into temptation. And as he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, he kneeled down and prayed saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You know, Jesus was unified with the Father. Jesus was in harmony with what God wanted. Jesus was about to go through the shame, the agony of the cross. Jesus was about to go through being separated. He knew what was coming. He knew it was coming. He was going to be separated from God the Father. But he willingly said, Not my will, but thine be done. Do you see the humility that is in the person of Jesus Christ right there? Do you see that humility that Jesus uh, approaches this with? He says, says, I am willing to do whatever you want, whatever you ask, whatever's going to bring the most glory and honor to you. If Jesus, the the creator of the universe, is willing to lay his his self uh, down, to be able to put his glory to the side, to be able to put his, uh, his desires, his wants, his needs off to the side for the betterment of others, why in the world would we not? 
Why is it so important for us to be united with one another in Christ? Because there's a world out there who's trying to find and trying to see Jesus Christ. And today, above all days, we should be able to remember that there's a world that needs to see Jesus. He was lifted high, and then He was placed in a tomb, and He came back from the dead. He rose again the third day. And what better way to show that to the world around us than for those who call upon Him and who claim the name of Jesus Christ to proclaim boldly, I have the love of God. I have consolation in Christ. I have the bowels and the mercies, the, 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 the sympathies, the affections, and I have all of this because of Jesus Christ. I'm able to love people who I don't like because of Him. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me. Think about it. There are people that we, we work with in the, in the ministry sometimes. I know I'm a, I'm a, I can be a difficult pill to swallow. I know that. I, I understand this about me. I, there are times that I, man, I rub myself the wrong way, let alone other people around me. I have a hard time putting up with myself. But because of my desire... To glorify Him. People can come alongside me. And we work together. That's only because of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something else. If you go from Luke, just flip over to the next book, John. And look at chapter 13. Why is it important for us to be united? (laughs) Because of Jesus. And the way we're united, it, it, Paul gave it to us there in Philippians. He said, uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others, there in verse 4. So look at, look at John chapter number 13. Look at verse 34. This is a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you love one to another, if you have love one to another. (laughs) Jesus made it very clear, a new commandment I give you, to love others not as you love yourself, but to love others the way I have loved you, which is completely selfless. That's what Paul says. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Continue in the book of John here. Go to the next chapter, chapter number four. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know. And the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you remember back there in verse 35 of chapter 13, it says, by this shall all men know. We have the truth. We have Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, no man can come to the Father but by me. And then he says, you want to know how they're going to know that you're my disciples? By loving one another. 
we have a message to present. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our message. That will always be our message. Our message is not, let me teach you how to speak in tongues. Our message is not, let me lay hands on you. Our message is not, uh, let me mail you a prayer cloth. Our message is not, send us $1,000 and we'll pray for you. Hey, I'll pray for you for free. Our message is Jesus Christ. That's our message. That'll always be our message. That's the only message we can give that's worth anything. It's Jesus. The way, the truth, the life. Continue in in chapter 14, drop down to verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. But then in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. And that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. If you look, uh, look down at verse uh, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. There's that Holy Spirit that Christ promised. Why is it important? Why is it important for us to be unified in this way? Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Not one as in singular, but in perfect unity. There's no better picture of the humility and love that the church should exhibit, of look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Then the very next verse in chapter 2 of the book of Philippians where he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen. Jesus Christ is who we proclaim. It's all about Him. For Him, because of Him, that we live. He has risen. And because of all that He has done for me, the least I can do is humble myself. And think of others. Father. I thank you Lord for your love. And I thank you Lord that you do have a. A desire to be. Involved with us. To have that fellowship with us. So Father what I ask is that you would. Wake us up. 
Father, that we would not be people very quick, Lord, to think of what we want and what we can gain. But Father, that we would look at ways that we can give, do for others. Father, help us in this, we pray, that Father, today, above all, we would just see you. And Father, that it would repeat day after day from this moment on. Father, if there be any that are tuned in today that do not know you as their personal Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. That, Father, today would be the day that they determine in their hearts and in their lives to follow after you. That today would be the day that they would make a, 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 a surrendered uh, effort, Father, to completely give up themselves, to turn from themselves, to die from themselves, and to follow you, to just fall to their knees this day, this moment even, and proclaim, God in heaven, wherever you lead, I will follow. Father, it not be just a matter of praying a prayer to get a ticket to heaven, but, Father, that they would honestly desire to follow you. Father, and if this be the case, that they would do this today, that, Father, you would have them to let us know so that, Father, we can rejoice with them over the decision to follow Christ. Father, we pray these things in your Son's name because He and He alone is worthy of it all.